The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Sarah, are you done with your sushi and ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the Homance Chronicles. I'm Sarah. <laughs> and I'm Nicole. And we have a guest with us today who is perfect for starting off like a brand new year, especially after the dumpster fire of 2020 and helping us, you know, stay motivated, putting wellness at the forefront. So we have health and fitness expert um, Sharon Polsky with us today. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you, Sharon. I love hearing that. I love sharing what I do with people. It just makes me happy. Yeah. Well, because, um, <clears throat> well, as most of our listeners know, I have an autoimmune disease. Nicole oh. has an autoimmune disease. And so we're constantly trying to figure ourselves out. And um, I feel like you're going to be a great little piece to a puzzle. <laughs> I just can't wait. <laughs> that, that is definitely what I'm passionate about is women's hormones and autoimmune and neurotransmitters. So it's definitely a good mix. Super exciting. <clears throat> yeah, so we were, before we really started recording, we were talking about the hardships of whether or not gyms are open and, you know, crossing over to a digital platform or, you know, are you still going to go to a place and maybe risk it or whatever. And in my personal experience, I started doing workouts at home and got real into it and then it fell off real hard. <laughs> <laughs> she was really like full steam ahead and then boop. <laughs> and then um, my, so I go to spin classes. So the place that I go to set up an outdoor situation, yeah. which is legal and you're six feet apart and you're wearing a mask when you're like not on your actual bike. Um, so I didn't, I didn't put myself in what I considered like a risky situation in order to be in like a community type of setting. Cause I was still doing workouts by myself on a bike alone, just happens to be in a parking lot now instead of in a studio. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a really common scenario that people are going through right now is how am I going to personally pivot? So when we first went into the stay at home order or quarantine or whatever we want to call it, people really thought it was a vacation. They were like, this is a temporary situation. It was only three months in every other country around the world. And then their governments got it under control. And so <laughs> everything's going to go back to, you know, relatively normal normal with masks, normal with social distancing. And so they really either took that three months as, well, I'm not going to any restaurants or bars for the next three months, so I'm gonna really focus on my health, and they were gung-ho. Or they did the opposite, which was, I'm on vacation for the next three months, and I'm really just not gonna think about any of that. I'm gonna do whatever I want. And then now we're in month 10, uh, month 11 right now, actually, uh, December 16th was month 11. So. In month 11, we're now looking back at that going, oh, what wasted time? I could have used those three months to really focus had I known, but it's hard to look back like that. So a lot of gyms across the US are going to an outdoor scenario. That's um, a luxury some of us don't have because it's so labor intensive to set that up every morning and not have our equipment stolen overnight and things like that. And so right. in my situation, yeah. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's super, I did it for three months and it was so labor intensive. And I only did it on Sunday mornings and did like a parking lot class and it was incredibly labor intensive, but it allowed me to reconnect with my clients. And we were at like the six month mark. And now in LA County, cause I'm not in a city, I'm unincorporated. LA County is telling us, no, we can't do that. So that's okay with me this whole time. I've done online streaming. I was up in 72 hours with a really good online streaming program. I used Facebook Live originally, but I invested in infrastructure and cameras and technology to make sure that I could take my boutique fitness studio experience 
into people's homes so they can be safe and it's super convenient. I think half my clients will come back and I think half my clients will continue to live stream even after the pandemic is over because it's so convenient. If they don't have time to come into the studio, they just jump on the live stream and it's so simple for them now. I'm going to be honest. I'm fitting more things in my day, social things than normal because I can just sit in my house or, you know, be in one place. I don't have to travel between everything. It's incredible how much stuff is just like happening in my world. It's probably not good, but yeah, like you can fit so much more in now because everything's digital. Yeah. And Google did that analysis. So that the reason why Google is leaving their employees working from home is they found that their employees were working more hours working from home. And of course, a company like Google has keystroke. They know that you're working and not yelling at your right. kids doing your laundry. So they, but they were able to see that they're actually getting more productivity out of their employees by them working from home. So I think I, I don't think things are ever going to go back to the way that they were, but I think that's a good thing. So people with autoimmune, do you want to risk it until everybody has a vaccine? Um, you have to weigh your risk versus your reward. So if right. you have access to fitness that's safe and effective in your home, is that better if you have autoimmune, if you have any type of immune compromise? Because we know that that's where we need to worry about people with COVID in addition mm -hmm. to age, in addition to other things. And I'm not sure things are ever gonna go back 100% to the way they were, but maybe that's a good thing. And maybe it allowed somebody like me who always wanted a digital offering, but my clients were like, I'm not letting you set up a camera in the studio while I'm working out. Now they don't care. Now they're like, I don't care if you set up a camera, I'll come in when I can. I wanna stream from home when I can. So it really changed the culture of my clients for the better. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting look at like the the way we as a society used to shy away from being recorded or filmed. We've talked about this before. And now it's so much more like normalized. And at this point, we're going to, I wouldn't say the extreme, but like the super opposite end of the spectrum that we were at the beginning of the year where everybody's like, I don't give a shit if I'm on camera. I need this. I need this. So like everybody's, they're uncovering their facing, front facing cameras and like, you know, downloading the drivers they would normally dismiss. And it's just like crazy how much more open people have become because of the, the need. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a smart business owner, you can set things up. So your clients are like not on the, on the right. live stream, they're like behind you and you're teaching on the live stream. I mean, yeah. I, I look at people like Brian Kest, who is an amazing yoga teacher and he's been live streaming for years. He sets up a camera right in the corner of his, of his, yoga studio and bless the entire class while he's teaching. Mm -hmm. And if you have a problem with it, you don't come to his class, but he's also the number one yoga instructor in California. <laughs> and people are like, ah, Do they that. just don't even notice the camera anymore. It's been there for yeah. so many years. When I was, I used to go to yoga regularly for about eight years. And I had a very arrogant yoga instructor um, I called him a yoga Nazi actually. And I similarly was like, okay, well, these are the classes that I like. I like that he's a drill sergeant with me. So whatevs. I mean, people can't really tell it's me when it's up in the corner, like, but he would use it for like little bits on like Instagram or whatever. And, um, yeah, you just kind of weigh it and you're like, well, it's, uh, keeping this booty tight. So I guess it's fine. <laughs> I mean, everything in life now. I, so I always call it the magic of COVID. We've been in this pandemic for so long that there's so many things that have come out of it. Risk versus reward. The risk is somebody might recognize my hair color when the camera is 200 feet away. The reward <laughs> is my booty looks good. <laughs> risk versus reward. And that really did change people in a lot of ways for the better. Like they're just not as extreme about it. Can we just go back to the sentence you used before all of that? The magic of COVID? <laughs> I know. I know it sounds like an, it's like oxymoronic to think that I would think anything was magical about this, but I absolutely, look, my dad is 87 years old and <laughs> he hasn't left the house in 11 months. And I, we have all the groceries delivered. I live in his guest house and my dad, my brothers are both high risk, so they can't come to the house. And my dad and I are closer than we've ever been. 
I don't know how many more years I have with him. And right. so magic of COVID. There's all these <laughs> magical moments that if you actually stop wallowing in self-pity and clutching your pearls in the corner and praying for a vaccine and praying for it all to be over and just wear our masks and get shit done, you'll realize that there's a lot of things that good that did come out of this. I mean, yes. would I like my business to be reopened after 11 months? Yes, I would love that. But uh, I also got to spend 11 quality months with my dad that I would have never done other than this. Right. And, and it's not like, I think people are, they shy away from using that positive spin because they are remembering all the things they've lost and they're focusing on that when it's like, you know, even if it's not this massive shift in your career and this just groundbreaking, whatever amazing thing that happened to you, it's something small and simple as being able to spend time with somebody you love before they're gone, like cherishing things that were taken away from us before because we had to go, go, go all the time. I mean, how many parents actually spent time with their kids? They right. went to work from nine to five. Now in California, our kids are all at home. All of our schools are closed. So somebody has to be with those kids. So parents are taking turns with their kids. They're spending more time with their kids. They go ride bikes with their kids every day at two o'clock or at lunchtime, or they never did that prior to this. They're cooking right. family meals at home. They never did that prior to this. So there are so many really good things that came out of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had many people tell me that they are making more lunches because they're home and they're able to do it. I personally haven't figured out the key to that yet. No, um, have I. <laughs> I drink water. I drink water out of an empty jug for some fucking reason still I don't know what it is but like it's because I'm like an animal I get to it I'm like can't stop drinking it and I drink half of it but like why can't I just use a glass what's wrong with me I'm at my house <laughs> even yeah well I have the same problem I, I keep refilling water bottles when I could just use a glass refrigerator but we all we all have our little our little things I, I think on the food thing and the nutrition piece of it where it's gotten really frustrating from people working at home is they're still not prepared. So they don't like, even though you're working from home, you're really busy in that eight hours. In fact, I find that my eight hours working from home is actually busier. And oh, 100%. Yeah. So I, and in our house, we don't even bring takeout back into the house. So my dad, my, my, my dad's an awesome old Jew. And so he's very much like, like, the world is going to try to kill me, so I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we have food delivered. I clean every container the food comes in. It gets put in the fridge. We cook meals together. We don't go to restaurants. We don't bring food in. Um, and my dad's smart. He's 87. And that's what everybody in America has said is, if you're 87 and you're scared, then you do what's right for you. So my dad has. So in our house, it's been easy because we're not bringing any restaurant food into this house. Um, but I actually have to be more organized with my food. I have to set a timer on my computer every four times a day. Cause if I don't eat four times a day, I'm teaching 22 classes on my live stream. I don't have enough fuel in my tank to do it. If I don't eat consistently every day. I didn't even think about that part either. Oh God, you are like a machine, a literal actual machine. <laughs> That's what it feels like these days. I mean, the good thing is I'm not teaching like all spinning classes or all yoga. I find actually the hardest class I teach is yoga because it's the longest, right? It's either 45 minutes or an hour and it's all vinyasa flow. So you just keep going and going where like in my cardio classes, you're doing sprint intervals, just like in a spinning class. So you're doing, so it's, it shortens down. Yeah. Right? It's about 25 minutes for all the other classes. And then I get to yoga and I'm like, whew. I got to yeah. get through 45 and I just, I mean, some people might not realize that vinyasa yoga is very aerobic and it's very cardio intense and it's constant Yeah. versus a regular, um, like training, like 30 minute or 20 minute training or whatever. So if people aren't familiar with yoga, they might be thinking about it as like the relaxation kind. And it's like, no, 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 it's no. not. 
I actually wrote a blog. My blog <laughs> on my website is called Get Off the Treadmill and Get Onto the Yoga Mat because people that have neurotransmitter issues are autoimmune. We know that when you do cardio, you're going to overproduce cortisol. So we have to stop that. I don't care if it's Hashimoto's. I don't care if it's Addison's disease. I don't care if it's Cushing's. I don't care anything that affects your neurotransmitters. We know that you're going to overproduce cortisol when you do cardio, uh, especially intense cardio. And so what we really try to do is adjust your nutrition and then give you another way to burn. And for me, it's always going to be a vinyasa flow yoga class, an ashtanga yoga class. And people say, yeah, but I have to do an hour and 15 minutes of that when I could go for a run for 30 minutes. Great. That hour and 15 minutes of an ashtanga yoga class or hour and a half or two hours is going to benefit your mind, your body, and your soul. Where running, yes, has some of those benefits, but your body is literally running to keep up with you. And in yoga, your body's going, oh, I can use this breath to calm down my neurotransmitters, to calm down my neurological responses. And so you end up getting so much more out of doing yoga three days a week than if that were a 30 minute run three days a week. Yeah. And I mean, and I found because I've, so I, I had Graves disease when I was like 19 and then had radioactive iodine treatment to basically kill my thyroid. So it's the size of a pea now. And if, and if people don't know, it's more supposed to be like butterfly shaped and much bigger than a pea like a thousand peas um <laughs> but then um so you go from like super hyper active and then you completely fall down and now you're hypo active and so everything's in slow-mo and now i have hashimoto's and um that's a more familiar thing to a lot of women because it happens to them in like their mid-30s um, but I've been, I'm in my mid thirties and I've been dealing with it for almost 20 years. And so I found that when you have an autoimmune disease, that every cell of your body is affected, mm -hmm. which is not the same as somebody who is not battling that. So even though you can't see it, and I sometimes don't even remember that I function this way, like if I do the wrong workout or if I'm doing the wrong nutrition, I can feel super tired or super frustrated. Um, you know, and it just, it's just different and it's very hard to explain. Yeah. It has I a cascade effect, right? So when you eat something you're not supposed to or do a workout you're not supposed to on Monday, that cascade effect that hits you guys with autoimmune hits you guys for the next 10 to 14 days from making one mistake. And so I always find it so funny is you like, you'll make that one mistake and then that mistake is going to cause a ramp up and then it's going to take you that time to go back to where you were balanced. And you so know, it's really there's frustrating for people. Yeah. It's actually a term for it, for it in the community. We call ourselves spoonies. And it's a story about a woman, how she explained what it's like to have MS to her friend. And she's like, I'm given seven spoons, a spoon for every day. And if I have to use Tuesday spoon on Monday, that means I have to use Wednesday spoon on Tuesday. And eventually I don't have any spoons left and I have nothing left for the last three days of my week. And so I sit on my couch and do absolutely nothing because that's legitimately the most I can do. And like, so, you know, people don't realize that yes, it's a snowball effect. It accumulates after time. Like if I eat meat, and I go work out, I'm not going to get as much energy as if I get plant-based protein in my body, because that's the way my body metabolizes the stuff I'm eating. But it took me years to figure this out. So like, how can people figure this out or like get an idea of how to figure this out quicker than what it took us, you know? So um, here's, there's three things that are going to make this very challenging for everybody. The first right. one is Google is not an expert. Stop. <laughs> what? I, uh, like if you got if you got accused of a crime, you wouldn't Google your legal defense. You would go hire an attorney to defend you of your crime and keep you out of prison. So let's start. With <laughs> I mean, I know that seems funny, but we have to start somewhere. Yeah, so that's right. the first one. Um, the second thing is everybody is different. So I have. It's so funny. So you have MS, Sarah. I have myasthenia gravis. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> even harder to deal with. Yep. <laughs> so 
You thrive with plant-based. What's your blood type? I think I'm an A positive. You thrive with plant-based. Had you been a B, you might thrive on a, a carnivore's diet, red meat, lots of red meat, lots of iron. So every single person is completely different. I have 11 Hashimoto's clients right now. And those 11 ladies are on completely different programs. They're not even similar. Part of it is they have 11 different doctors that all go after Hashimoto's 11 different ways. And I'm here like moving the pieces of the puzzle to catch up with the direction their doctors are going. Um, I love a doctor that's like, let's go nutrition first. And they say, no more smoking, no more drinking alcohol. Great. Because if I can get them to stop drinking alcohol and stop smoking cigarettes and stop doing drugs, I'm 50% into the game and I can help them from there. Some doctors say, you won't die of Hashimoto's, so it's no big deal. Don't really change your lifestyle. We'll just adjust your meds. A lot of doctors are doing that these days. It's and still fantastic. I, I, I think that's completely an irresponsible thing to say to people. Because no, you don't die of Hashimoto's. But does it shorten your life expectancy because of the, the weight gain that you're going to experience? Because of, now, the weight gain may cause heart disease. The weight gain causes other things that are catastrophic. So I, I, that's not a lot. Of, well, that's actually probably half the doctors I deal with do that with their Hashimoto's clients. So first thing is don't Google. Second thing is everybody is different. And the third thing is um, I really like working with more naturopathic doctors when it comes to anything thyroid-based, anything autoimmune, um, anything neurotransmitter because they go after it differently. They don't use a pharmaceutical approach. Do they give thyroid medication? Absolutely. If you don't have a working thyroid, you have to be given thyroid medication, but they're using bioidenticals. They're not using Synthroid. They're not using synthetic thyroid because we know that synthetic thyroid actually starts taking down the rest of your neurotransmitter processes. So, so then you stop producing other hormones correctly. And then you, and cortisol is our big one we have to look at. And then uh, the third thing is, so we tackled the nutrition. And then the third thing is you have to sleep. And I am talking sleep. You have to control your stress. Yes. But sleep is going to help you control your stress. Sleep. And I'm not, if the average person needs seven or eight hours of sleep, even though we survive on less because our bodies learn to adapt, somebody that is autoimmune or neurotransmitter or um, uh, any any type of uh, any adrenals, um, thyroid, cortisol, you need 10 hours of sleep a night. But your body is so used to not getting that much sleep that we now have to teach you how to sleep 10 hours a night. I mean, I, have, I would say with those 10 Hashimoto's clients right now, I'm teaching them how to sleep. That is 90% of my job as a coach, teach them how to sleep. Well, because, I mean, I don't know, Sarah, if this was, if this happened in your experience, I know definitely, cause I've known Sarah pre and post diagnosis. And so I know definitely that she has uh, made more of an effort to get more sleep post diagnosis, but also has been forced into that, I think <laughs> a little bit, but. Um, I had a mental break when I got diagnosed. It was just like, I didn't, ooh. It's shocking, but you are not your diagnosis. So I always tell people that, I mean, like we can move out of that. Yeah. Yeah. But with me, because I, when I first started having symptoms and issues and stuff, like I was still living at home and I've always, but I've always been like a a person who needs a lot of sleep, but it, you know, obviously increased. And so I mean, I didn't have a, a family or people around me who understood. And so now they start making you feel bad because you're sleeping in till 11 or whatever it may be. And you, like, you're trying to communicate that like, you're just trying to survive, you know? And they're like, you're not doing enough because you're not waking up at 8 a.m. or whatever. You yeah, know. they call you lazy. They're like, you're lazy. Yeah you're ineffective, you're unmotivated. I mean, I've heard, I've heard it. I'm a sleeper too, you guys. And so I've heard it all. Uh, what really did help me was I read a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker is the number one sleep expert in the world. So 
all of our thoughts on sleep came from Freud originally. They were psychological, not physiological. And then finally, Matthew Walker wrote this book. And I will tell you, it's the number one game-changing book for everybody on the planet. Everybody should read it, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And no, they don't pay me to say that, although I wish they did, because I say it every time I talk to anybody about anything. And he said, in his book, I'm like, please, hello, I'm here, Shirovolsky. Um, <laughs> he says in his book that human beings are the only animals on the planet that take pride in the fact that they don't need sleep. Even though it's, so it's their egos that say, I can survive on five hours of sleep. So when people have weight gain problems and stress problems and health problems and medical problems, the number one solution for all of that is increase your sleep. By the way, it's free and it's delightful. Like who doesn't <laughs> love laying in bed for an extra three hours? So like it's delightful. And it's delightful. So why not do it? But because they're egos and it's exactly what you're saying. Like they have been brainwashed that if you're asleep, you're lazy, if you're asleep. But the reality is people that sleep a lot actually live longer. They don't, and if you don't sleep enough, they know it causes dementia. And we're not talking Alzheimer's. There are 20 different kinds of dementia that we just don't even talk about in the US. Okay, so I was, you know, I'm on the search for all kinds of things to learn about all the time. And there's this theory out there that says that humans are segmented sleepers originally, and that the sleep industry has decided that we are supposed to get the consecutive eight hours, and then that's that. So there's that part. And then I think the other part of the lazy thing is from that era of you only need eight hours. What are you doing exceeding that limit? You need to get to work. Yeah. So, thing though. What do you think about that? So read the book. I don't want to steal. I'm not going to steal the punchline of the book. But what I will say about segmented sleep, he talks about different types of sleepers. So okay, he yeah. So number one is our education system has destroyed the natural human sleep pattern because not all people wake up at 6 a.m. to be at school by 8 a.m. as children. Children typically need more late morning sleep. And so schools really should start at 10 or 11 a.m. for the way that children's minds are developing. And so he really goes into this. He goes into this and why it has had a catastrophic effect on ADD and ADHD because children actually, most children should not be being woken up at 6 a.m unless they naturally wake up at 6 a.m. And we should have early birds and late birds, and that's all physiological and biological. They, and so, like I said earlier, the human body has an incredible way of adapting to the shit circumstance that you handed it. So our bodies adapt. You don't even know your body is adapted. I was that person that was like, I can survive on five hours of sleep. I would go to <laughs> rave for three days and party for three days and then be like, I'm going to work on Monday morning. I don't need to sleep. And then by the next Saturday, I've got the flu and I'm puking my guts out. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> now I look back at it. I'm like, hmm, I did need the sleep. My body just forced me to take it by giving me some like gnarly illness that laid me out. But like, it's okay. things like that, that we, that we convince ourselves. And then, and, and by the way, as human beings, we don't like science that is inconvenient. So a lot of people like only getting six hours of sleep a night or five hours of sleep a night or like eating a, only like eating two meals a day or and they don't like the science that tells them they're wrong because that science is inconvenient. So I've given this book to so many clients. Uh, it's my number one giveaway that I give people. And I can't tell you the number of people that say, he might be right for some people, but I'm different. And I'm like, so the most brilliant sleep um, researcher in the world and all of his theories have been duplicated by other sleep researchers but it doesn't apply to you because it's inconvenient because you don't want to commit to eight or nine hours sleep mm -hmm. but here's the thing if you committed to that eight or nine hours sleep I guarantee you it would fix a lot of your health and wellness problems including the fact that they're overweight and I will say this every single one of my clients that cannot lose weight and they say I've tried every diet it's because they only sleep six hours a night. And the minute I finally convince them, and it takes a long time to go to eight or nine hours, they start to lose weight. That's I need hard. six hours to hear an alarm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I find cause so with mycenae, like it's, it's, I liken it to having mono. Like that's the best way I can describe what it kind of feels like to have it. And so I can, I can sleep for 15 straight hours. That is not something that is unheard of in my world. Um, but I don't like to do that because it, mentally it drains me. Cause I'm like, fuck, I've missed 15 hours of something, you know, of my life. I could have been cleaning up my house or maintaining, you know, my what's up, what's up with the 90 day fiance crew or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> things that help me sleep at night. Priorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I try to tell people how important sleep is to me because I just am not the type of person you want to deal with who hasn't gotten enough. So I, 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 I'm going to defend you guys that try to explain this stuff to people. Uh, <laughs> I will also defend you guys that want to explain sleep and want to explain why you're not drinking alcohol when everybody around you is, or why you're not eating anything other than a salad at dinner. And so these three things is sleep, alcohol, and food are the three big ones that you should never even try to explain because you're explaining it to somebody who doesn't understand that it's none of their business how much you sleep or right. why the way you do or why you're not drinking today. So right. if you had cancer and somebody said to you, why do you need so much sleep? And you said, I have cancer and I'm going through chemotherapy. They go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or why aren't you drinking today? Oh, I was just diagnosed with cancer. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or, or why are you eating like that? I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. But then when it's just you, you're, and you say, oh, I just don't feel like drinking. Oh, come on, come on and drink with us. Come on. You don't have to have an excuse why you sleep. You don't have to have an excuse why you drink the way you do or eat the way you do. It's none of their business. And so <laughs> I've just stopped defending myself. When I go out with friends, I put a drink in my hand. It is soda water, but it is in my hand. And if somebody asks me, do I want a drink? I say, no, thank you. I'm fine. I never say, oh no, I'm not drinking because that's what starts the discussion. Or if I right. order something at a dinner table and I order a salad and somebody will say, are you on a diet? I'll say, oh no, 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 I'm not on a diet. I just felt like a salad tonight. So, or when somebody says, wow, you've been sleeping a lot lately. Is everything okay? Oh yeah, I just need more sleep. I end it. I end that discussion. It's not a back and forth discussion anymore. Yeah. They're never going to understand your perspective. They don't care about anybody else but themselves because they want to validate the fact they don't sleep enough. They want to validate the fact they drink and they want to validate the fact that they eat shit food. And the only way to validate that is to make you feel bad about making the right choices for your body and your health. And it is not fair to go down their rabbit hole with them. That's their shit. It's not yours. You deserve oh, better than that. Exactly. I think that I would say personally, I don't know about you, Nicole, but I think at this point in our generation, like in our age range or whatever, I would say that a lot of people aren't as quick to judge and be peer pressure. And I don't know if that's because like, we were in the dare program in the nineties or whatever, but like, we just don't <laughs> Nancy Reagan. Yeah, like we just don't like, if I'm like, I, I maybe used to be like, well, why aren't you drinking? And somebody would be like, I don't feel like it. I'd be like, all right, cool. Cheers. Anyway. You know what I mean? Like I would still ask the question because I think it was mostly because I wanted to make sure they were still comfortable, but then like, I don't care what your answer is as long as you're chill. You know what I mean? And I think that has kind of transcended a lot into the younger generations, but I have noticed now where I find myself explaining myself to the older generation, like my aunts and uncles, the ones that are like, oh, you're pretty skinny. You're looking good. It's like, actually, it's not a good thing. I'm losing all the weight because I can't keep the weight on. Ha ha, keep moving. You know, I don't want to talk about it or whatever. But like, I've noticed that um, a lot of the older generations seem to kind of get more off of like your appearance and they try to like, just get at you for the things that you're doing and not just like who you are as a person. So like- yeah. I like the need to defend as much i don't know about you nicole well i mean sharon's got something to say so i'll let oh, you no, no, i was just gonna say <laughs> just saying thank you goes a long way i mean i give grandparents and old people i'm 47 so um it is my generation is the generation that peer pressures you 
And so. <laughs> maybe not as much as you think. <laughs> maybe that's a California thing. No, I was going to say, because I, I disagree with Sarah. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> you have really, really nice friends and family, clearly, because that's about my experience. But I actually just assumed you were a lot younger than me. I thought you were like 27 and I'm 47. And no. We like majorly different generations. That's what I know. Not so much. Um, <laughs> most of our friends are closer to your age than probably our age, but I'm 37. So, and Sarah's just a couple years younger than me. So no, um, I, I'm like, I can vividly remember multiple times when we've been out with our friend group and it's like, oh, you're only having one. Oh, you're done. Oh, um, you know, but I'm buying like, like, I, so I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't think that that's, I don't have the same opinion. <laughs> no, I mean, it like that's, but that's because it's our friend group and we razz each other like that. I'm talking about people. But that that's just, everybody. That's everybody. Yeah. That's everybody in my life too. So I, I say thank you a lot. So old people, I always give a pass because they were just, they're a different generation. Right. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and I'm old meaning over 70, under 70, you know better. Like I, I don't give people <laughs> under 70 I mean, unless you're living in a hole and don't have access to the internet. There are words that you cannot say under 70. There's ways of treating women you cannot do under 70. And there's this type of press, family pressure. Like if you're over 70 and you ask me when I'm gonna get married or get pregnant, you get a pass. If you're under 70 and ask me that, that conversation is over and I just say, that's okay. And I walk away. So <laughs> no, <laughs> we can't really have the conversation. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So, I always respond to those types of questions with, well, whenever the universe decides. Yes. And all <laughs> people will let it go. If you just say, so they say, Hey, do you want another drink? I really think you should have another drink. I don't want to drink alone. My dad does it to me all the time. And I will sometimes take the drink from them and just not drink it. And then sometimes I'll just say, no, thank you. And if they say, why are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm totally okay. Just just not in the mood. And it ends that conversation. But, you know, I stopped defending my eating habits a very long time ago because when I was diagnosed with my neurotransmitter disorder, um, I was in my late 30s. So it was about 10 years, nine years ago. And so um, that was my party friends. I was like, we were all couples and we all went out as couples. And I knew drinking drugs, cigarettes, not enough sleep. And inconsistent nutrition had catastrophic cascading effects on my health. And I figured it out in about a year. It took me about a year. Back to Sarah, your point, like how long does it take people? Um, mm -hmm. It takes a good year for me to work with somebody and figure it out. And that's if their doctor is cooperating with me. If your doctor doesn't cooperate with me, we could be at this for the next five years. Um, and you might yeah. have to change a doctor along the way because endocrinologists have a very specific way they want to handle things yeah. and it's not the natural way. And it's no. a huge challenge. So uh, I will say that when I got sick, I did apologize and I did try to explain to people that um, I had this neurotransmitter disorder and I, and I really thought it would get them off my back and they would call me a liar, attention getting. And of course, those aren't your real friends, but you don't know that when you're inside of it. So then you start to think that you have a mystery illness nobody's ever heard of before. Like Hashimoto's people have heard of sort of now, but it's kind of like fibromyalgia, right? Where people are like, I know people have it, but is it actually real? Because I don't really know anybody that's actually changed their circumstance. Like people always have an answer for that that don't actually have it themselves. So for me, I stopped it. I was like, I am not defending it anymore. I am not going to have that kind of backlash. I don't, I'm done. I'm purely just going to say, no, thank you. Or I've had enough. And the nutrition one was the big one for me. People thought because I competed in fitness competitions, I ate a certain way. They didn't realize I'm eating this way because I can't eat like that. And it just was better for me to let it go and not have the conversations. Um, so that's, I, that is like my number one advice for people that have these issues and fibromyalgia is a really big one because people call it a fake illness all the time. And I have clients that have devastatingly catastrophic um, 
symptoms from it. I mean, to the point where, I mean, you, when you talk about living in chronic pain and the pain travels, so one day you have pain in your back, the next day you have pain in your knee, the next day you have pain in your foot, and there's no, there's no medication for it. I mean, there's, they're, they've been using nerve inhibitors to see if it works and it works a little bit, but you know, those are ones that are really catastrophic to people. And so I've really just told people, stop defending yourselves. Just yeah. go enjoy your life, live your life and mm -hmm. so much better off. Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned endocrinologists and man, I've had a battle with so many of them. They are so quick to say that it's not, the problem's not the medication or the dosage. It's that I'm suffering from depression. You understand depression is a side effect of that medication. Though. So, <laughs> but the I, thing is, I've never actually been medicated for depression. Because be. I'm about to jump out of my chair because every endocrinologist says this. It is why I don't have one anymore. Yeah. Because they tell me there's something mentally wrong with me. No, I 100% know there's nothing mentally wrong with me. I, I know it. I don't suffer from depression. I've never had a depression problem in my life. And in fact, when I do become depressed over something like a death in the family, I don't have coping skills for depression because I don't feel it very often. So I've experienced exactly the same thing, Nicole. And it I it literally makes me want to jump out of the chair and strangle them because <laughs> They blame the patient all the time. It's like when you buy a piece of fitness equipment that doesn't work and the manufacturer tells you you're using it wrong. Well, then you created a shitty piece of equipment if I can't <laughs> pedal the bike without a 20 page instruction manual on how to pedal a bike. Like <laughs> it's not user error. The fact that I have a medical problem is not user error. So um, yeah. Okay, problem. Not user error. <laughs> I know. I oftentimes will try to diagnose problems in my life and go, is it operator error first before <laughs> yeah. contacting customer support? So the fact <laughs> that I'm at the doctor saying, I've done process of elimination on my own, and uh, I'm telling you that's not the correct diagnosis. <laughs> but that's because, you know, you have the WebMDers and the Googlers who are like, I already know. And the guy's like, I've 12 years in, in school. No, you fucking don't know. Yeah. But, um, so I will tell you, most endocrinologists don't have the disease that they're treating. So they don't know what it feels like. It's a little bit like having a male gynecologist. And they tell you that, that your pain in your lower abdomen is just menstrual cramps. And they throw a pill at you without even testing your baseline hormones to see if you need that pill. Um, and then they find out later on that you have a cyst on your ovary and you're like, I told you. And it happened, this is, I mean, this happens all the time with my clients. So um, endocrinologists are really tough because they have, a, they have a standard way that they want to approach every incident. And I don't disagree with starting with the standard approach. So I call that baselining. So I do that with my clients, right? I get your hormone, they get send me your hormone results, and then I'm going to create your workout plan, your nutrition plan, and everything based on those results. That's a baseline. That's where we start. That is not going to fix your problems, but we got to start somewhere. So we start with the baseline. And then we change that baseline. You say to me, hey, Cher, I am got the jitters. I cannot fall asleep. Mm. Okay, so we need to give you more fats to eat, but we need to talk to your endocrinologist because if you've got the jitters before you fall asleep, it's typically your thyroid medication. But but it may not be because, but I wouldn't know that unless I baselined you first. I can't just throw a nutrition plan at somebody. I got to start somewhere. But I'll raise their, their nutritional fats if they're complaining about neurological issues and say, let's have a conversation with your endocrinologist and see if we can bring that dose down. A lot of the times they can't bring the dose down because synthetic thyroid comes in specific milligrams. And so you're forced into those specific milligrams and they can't get your, your, yeah. uh, I mean, Sarah and I have both done our own modification. I mean, I've, I've done my modifications based on the doctor's recommendation, but yeah. when, when Sarah was taking more medications, she would break off pieces of her pill. I've been okay. in a situation where I've had to do um, five days one way, another day by like 
by itself yeah. another day without anything like you have to get on like a you very specific have to do that right but the yeah. reason we're doing that is because we want your prescriptions to be covered by insurance right. that's the only reason we're doing that i can send you to a compounding pharmacy convert everything into smaller pills right and then you take we start you with five and if five is too much you drop to four and a half because the pills are so small we can do those adjustments if we use a compounding pharmacy and so but it's not covered by your insurance. So right. that's why you guys are having to do it that way, unless you're wealthy. My wealthy clients go right to the compounding pharmacy. And, and honestly, their um, pharmaceuticals are about a thousand dollars a month. And they never come to that to medicate you properly. And then what your doctor will tell you is, oh, but it's good enough. I mean, we don't really need to go to those specific milligrams because it's good enough. No, it's not good enough because I feel like shit. I either want to eat the, if the thyroid medication is too high, you want to eat everything in the refrigerator. And so you're getting fatter, which the thyroid medication is supposed to prevent that from happening, but it's not because you're ravenously hungry from it or <laughs> you can't sleep or, and then when they get it too low, you're a zombie and you feel awful because what happens when the thyroid medication is too low, if you have a working thyroid, it's trying to produce some thyroid, but the thyroid medication is depressing the amount it's producing naturally. So we wanna put you on the lowest amount of thyroid to see if we can get your thyroid to produce more thyroid on its own. Get it to a point where it will, and then just supplement underneath. But most doctors don't do that. And if you don't have a working thyroid at all, that's to a totally different scenario. Right. right. And I mean, this the advice and information that you're giving is not just applicable to the thyroid. I mean, I think you're using it as an example, but I just want to be clear that it's not specific to this one particular organ. <laughs> no, anything, ready. anything, anything, but, but most importantly, like all your hormones, I, I, I'm going to get off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's not, but it's specifically <laughs> to your point. Uh, I cannot stand that we give people birth control in America with a prescription, but we don't look at their labs first. So when I get a client that has any number of weight loss issues. And I say, do you use birth control? Every single one of them will say, yes, I've been on it since I was 16, 15, 14. Every single one of them. I'll say, before you went on to birth control, did they ever do baseline labs and to know exactly what you needed? No. So now I have a client who's 36 years old. She's been on birth control since 16, so 20 years. I now, yes, I have to take her off of birth control for six months before I can get baseline labs on her. Six months. So she's probably going through a world of emotions that she's not experienced in a very long time and ever. reacting to things that she didn't know she would react to or like hyper reacting to things she never reacted to before. It's like, what's, what's happening to me? Because six months is an incredibly long time. Yeah. Like it's hard to get my clients to commit to something for three months, but I get them to commit to six months. I then get the labs. Now we have another six months to figure out the problem once we have <laughs> labs on them. Like oh. dealing with these, that's why I keep coming back to this one year scenario. People want a pill that's going to fix these things. There is no pill. I can right. make it a lot more pleasant as you go through the journey because you have me to cry to because you are not going to call your endocrinologist every day, but you're going to send me a check-in every day that's like, this fucking sucks. And I'll say, <laughs> yes. This fucking sucks, but now I'm going to help you get through it because it's going to be fucking okay. <laughs> but it's going to be fucking okay because if somebody's not there to coach you through this, you will give up. Nobody's going to do this for a year. They're just not. It's yeah. hard, hard work. When I was on pill form of birth control, I had high blood pressure and the doctor made me take a journal for like two months. And I told her, I'm like, I don't really have high blood pressure. Like there's no, there's no reason. There's just no, like, it just doesn't make sense. She took me off of the pill every, and I have stellar blood pressure. <laughs> well, in case you're at the doctor's office, that's a whole different story, but hey, whatever. <laughs> we all have a little bit of high blood pressure as we walk into the doctor's office, especially these days. Oh, well, the white coat syndrome's real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the white coat syndrome for real. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, that can yeah. I think that Western medicine has really caused a lot. I'm very Western, right? I believe wholeheartedly in Western medicine. I think we can use it to, to fix a, a lot of things, but we're so overly dependent. And I, and to be honest with you, the pandemic has proved that people are like, 
I'm not cooperating, so a vaccine's gonna have to save us. What? But Just wear a mask. You don't even need the vaccine to save you. Like, it's gotten to that point now, like every single person posts on Facebook every day, thank God a vaccine is available now. Uh, I don't qualify until like July of next year. I'm literally the last person to qualify. <laughs> when you, go on to, you can go on to the california.gov site and see where you qualify. It's like children, teenagers, me, and then the rest of California. I'm, I'm literally in the last tier because my age, my health, my nutrition, I don't drink, I don't smoke. I mean, they ask you a hundred questions. So, yeah. it's, so I probably could get moved up to that list because I take care of my dad. But I mean, really. Just I don't even get a flu shot though. I don't either. I'm, a, I'm allergic to the flu shot. So I know people are screaming at the podcast right now. There's no such thing as being allergic to a flu shot. You are right. Technically, I'm not allergic. But when my body starts building those antibodies up against the flu vaccine, I get very, very sick. Like, it's like- yeah. <laughs> for 24 hours so for yeah. me if i'm gonna have the flu for 24 hours i'd rather just get the flu and that's gonna help my immune system as well um i'm strong enough young enough i'm not gonna die of the flu so um i'm not yeah. gonna get the flu shot if i have to feel that miserable because the chances of me getting the flu i'm look people don't come in my studio sick we're very strict i am not around people that are sick i'm very strict with my personal health because I do have a neurotransmitter disorder. And so I have to be a lot more careful. And so I'm not around people that have the flu. So I'm not going to get a flu shot. There's also a lot of comfort and familiarity with the flu, as odd as that sounds. But we've had the flu and the flu shot for so long that if you don't take the flu shot, then you just kind of get this weird side at like, ooh. But I don't get the flu shot either because of my autoimmune disease. My doctor recommends I don't do it. I don't need it. It's not required. I don't do it. I well, don't feel I will say like uh, I obviously COVID is a completely different scenario, obviously, because you don't know if you're one of the lucky ones or if you're not. And there's no way of knowing it ahead of time. They're just the research isn't there. So right. you want to get a COVID vaccine in July of next year. Uh, yeah, because I probably won't have a choice. You won't be able to get on an airplane if you don't have a COVID vaccine. You right. won't be able to go to a concert. I mean, they're going to be very strict about it. Do I care if there's a microchip in it? No, I don't care. And does somebody want to call me a sheep because I don't care? I just don't care. They have so much access to my data now. I mean, if you have a cell phone, they have access to your data. Uh, if you're on Zoom, they have access to your data. So right. I'm, not, I'm not like some conspiracy theorist. Do I think that the vaccine was rushed to market with only phase one and phase two trials? Yes, of course I think that. I mean, <laughs> that is a brain thinks that, but- they're also giving it to every single frontline worker in America, around the world, not even just in America, before it's ever going to get to me. Believe me, if we know, we will know if there are catastrophic consequences to that vaccine before it's available to the public, because they literally did a phase three trial using healthcare workers. And mm -hmm. so we're going to know before it's available to us. We're going to know a lot because it's being distributed worldwide. Well, so, fingers crossed a lot. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you look, access to information is out there now. So when all the COVID conspiracies were going around in the beginning, all you had to do is like Google something in Germany, Google something in Australia or New Zealand or Singapore or Hong Kong and get the truth about what was happening with COVID. Did I right. trust what was coming out of the US government? No, but when <laughs> you get the same scenario from Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, Italy's death toll is astronomical for not doing what they were supposed to do. When you Brazil, same thing. And then Australia and New Zealand have gotten rid of COVID. It's very obvious to see when you don't look at America, look around the world, how things are being handled. And then you go, this is the truth based on my access to information, not just the conspiracy theories that are being fed to me all day long through Facebook, which is crazy. Right. <laughs> well, we are at the point in the show where we do our at a girls, which is just our nice little, you know, pat on the back to ourselves about something good that's happened or something that we're proud of ourselves for. And I mean, this conversation has been really, it's been very uh, beneficial. And even though I consider myself to be pretty educated about this information, like a lot of it was a great reminder yeah. And pressure and even you know like you said getting the support that people need like 
it, you don't realize sometimes you need it until it's here. So thank you so much. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. And this is like, my passion is talking about how we can fix your issues with nutrition. And, and I don't care if you're like, people say, do you care if your clients lose weight? I don't care if my clients lose weight. Yes, I'm a weight loss expert. Yes, I'm an accountability coach. I don't care if my clients are fat or skinny or what they are. I want them to live their best life as healthy as they can in the body and the genetics they have. And I want them to reach their genetic potential, not my genetic potential, not somebody else's, but reach their genetic potential. And most people are only at about 45% of their genetic potential. And I want you to get there. <laughs> you can if you have the right help of somebody that's supportive. We gotta stop talking about diets. We gotta stop talking about weight loss. And we gotta start encouraging women to just live their best lives. And they will be the weight that they're supposed to be because they will be healthy and happy. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, and um, I couldn't agree more. So my add a girl is that, um, we've been able to have a lot of conversations like these. I mean, I feel like the one that we had today was um, super impactful and beneficial. And a lot of our guests have been coming from um, a, a like podcast booking type service. And so they reached out to us today and said that they want to offer us a spot on their homepage when they put up their new webpage as one of their like, top ranked podcast partners. And that's, I mean, to me, like that's a hello win because when you're getting advertising that you don't have to pay for, and it's just for doing what you're, you're enjoying doing. I mean, so great. <sighs> so great. Like, I, you know, it's one of those things where it's similar to your nutrition or your wellness or whatever. Like when you are following the path that matters to you, and you're like going in the right direction, things just naturally happen. <laughs> and that your own way. Yeah. yeah. I, she texted me. She's like, just, she didn't say anything. She just underlined the thing she wanted me to see. And I was like, <laughs> and I started crying immediately, you know? And I was just like, you did this. So thank you. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> we wouldn't be where we're at without her and the diligence that she's had. So like, yeah, at a girl, it's a huge at a girl. Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you. So like, I have one too. Go for it. Not as astronomically stellar as yours. However. <laughs> well, we share mine. Yeah, this is true. Um, my at a girl for, well, today, as a matter of fact, I'm very proud of myself um, because I am wrapped up with my christmas shopping this is That's the first thing out a girl is get christmas shopping done that is big yeah and for the people listening we are about a week away from christmas exactly a week away and this is a first for me so ahead of me yeah the magic of covid <laughs> magic <laughs> yeah so Shara, do you have something you'd like to share? I'll share an add a girl. So yeah. um, my add a girl is as hard as it is every single day. And that we, especially as business owners or even people that are starting podcasts or, or people that are trying to start a digital fitness studio like I am, and we feel like we are swimming uphill every single day and we get discouraged halfway through our days and then we pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and keep going, is that... I never let it get me down. I start every, like I woke up, I was at a really bad day yesterday, beyond that, beyond bad day yesterday. And I woke up this morning, it was like, okay, let's get this shit done. I need to get postcards mailed out and this done and that. I never let it affect the next day. I go to sleep, I shake it off. And then, and I have a new day where I'm gonna keep pushing through and helping clients and trying to get the word out that there's help out there for you guys and that it's affordable. So that's my attic girl that I woke up this morning and put yesterday behind me and kept going. And that's a hard add a girl. Snatch. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing because sometimes it's it it is that whole like inner critic and that voice that tells you like you're not doing enough or you're doing too much or whatever, you know? It's just a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's hard. It's 
anymore to turn your brain off. I, I was just telling somebody today, like I can't turn my brain off some days and it sucks. Yeah. So good for you. Thank you. Yeah. So Sharon, uh, tell people where they can find you or if they're interested in connecting with you in some way. Okay. So if you want to get a hold of me personally, SharonPolsky.com, P-O-L-S-K-Y, <laughs> SharonPolsky.com. But my socials are also at Sharon Polsky. So I personally run my social pages. I used to have social media marketing managers and they are just not me. So that will be the first Sharon Polsky. You can Google me and find me. It's a name nobody else has. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. The second way to get a hold of me is unleashed-fitness.com, which is my business, unleashed-fitness.com. And then my digital fitness studio, which has live streaming classes, on-demand classes. We have a library of over 200 classes, five of the best instructors in the industry with nutrition and coaching for $45 a month is unleashed-live.com. And I will give your followers uh, 25% off. And the coupon code will be T as in Tom, H as in horse, C as in cat, one, two, two, zero. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, yes. for $45 a month, even without the coupon code, you're offering a hell of a lot. Yeah. yeah. And the classes are bar classes, yoga classes, Pilates classes, all my proprietary classes that were designed specifically for women between the ages of 35 and 55. And nobody has created a fitness market for our generation. Everything older, the, the, the programs that came out before me were men's programs that were converted for women. And then we've got programs that are designed for young girls, but nothing that takes our joints, our medical history, our hormones into consideration. And I really curated programs specifically for us. 25 years of hormone replacement. (laughs) (laughs) We're dare kids. I guarantee you every female that you're going to speak to within our age bracket has been on pill form of birth control since they were roughly 16 years old when the Nokia's came out and (laughs) they did the deer program and they failed miserably at it. So they just drink and smoke their high school careers away. (laughs) Yeah, we're damaged a little bit. We could use some help. So that's how to get a hold of me, you guys. I am, and here's the thing. It's me, it's me. So when you go onto Unleashed Live, you get me. So Carrie, my assistant, and the other girls will reply to emails, but those emails are coming to me. I see everything. I don't have people that pretend to be me. It is, you are dealing with me, my programs. The reason why I created Live is I wanna make fitness affordable and accessible for all women. And it doesn't, you don't have to be young. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be healthy. You just have to want to change your situation. And I am there to help you at an affordable rate. So that's why it's, why, that's why it's $45 a month. That's yeah. amazing. That's I awesome. Mean, and generally speaking, like I, I pay 20 a month to go to the gym, but that's because I know what I'm doing at the gym. If I didn't know what I was doing at the gym, like I would have paid probably a little bit. I mean, I did pay more when I went to like Zumba classes and stuff like that, where like twice a week, I would pay 70 bucks a month to do that. So $45 a month to sit, stay home and have a variety of things at my fingertips. Okay. No problem. And it is a one-stop shop. It really is. <laughs> Some people want just the classes. Great. Some people are like, I'm vegan, but I really don't know what to eat. Can you help me? Yes. I'll send you a vegan nutrition plan that I wrote for you. That's that alone is a $75 value, but I know that if I give you the right nutrition plan, you're going to keep losing weight and you're going to tell everybody what a great site I created. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't I invest the hour and a half to create your macros and create a vegan nutrition plan for you? It's, it's no brainer. People are like, you're undervaluing yourself. I'm not undervaluing myself. I'm overvaluing you guys because I have so much respect for people that try to do a fitness journey by using the internet. It is hard. And we should be helping them. We shouldn't be throwing them away. And that's what happens. If you go into Beachbodies and you don't like the classes, they say, well, you're not the right customer for us. 
again, we're blaming the customer, right? Instead of let's let's figure out a way to help everybody feel successful. Now, not you may not like my classes, but I have three other, four other instructors that work on my on my platform as well. I'm mm-hmm. sure you may not like my yoga, but my you might love my ballet bar class, or you might love my strength and stretch class. I also do these seated strength and stretch classes that are 10 minutes long, and you do them between your Zoom calls. And you do three of them in one day, and you've got a 30-minute cumulative workout done. Well, so, that's worth <laughs> And I'll give you your vegan nutrition plan that you wanted. I, I don't just make vego, vegan. I make vegan, keto, paleo. I regular baseline. I can do it all. But but <laughs> I use vegan because that's the number one question people ask. Yeah, but I'm vegan. I got you covered. Well, yeah, nope. you're in California, so yeah, that we're in California. <laughs> Michigan has a lot of vegans. Oddly enough, that is true. We that did true. did have a previous guest, and she's a, a retired hood rat, and she has her vegan cookbook coming out. <laughs> Could go on that would be a whole another one hour podcast we could talk about. <laughs> I, yep. now. I, I do want to thank you guys thank you so much for having me this is one of the most fun conversations i've had with anybody in a long time so oh hey we've had a i've had a blast <laughs> thank you and people can find us on instagram at homance underscore chronicles and if you liked what you heard today you can rate subscribe review um, you know, comment, do all the things and then go find Sharon because she's got a lot of helpful information that obviously she's very like passionate about. And I think we all learned something today. So thank you. Thank you. Poets <laughs> out. <laughs>